2: No stranger to the stage or the set or the studio, you name it. Our next guest on the Career Musician is none other than Rich Redman, longtime drummer for Jason Aldean, speaker, actor, author, and podcast host himself. Rich's credits include Jason Aldean, Ludacris, Kelly Clarkson, Brian Adams, Bob Seger, Joe Perry, Garth Brooks, Chris Stapleton, Jewel, Miranda Lambert, Luke Bryan, Thompson Square, Eric Church, Montgomery Gentry, Alabama, John Anderson, Trace Adkins, Keith urban travis tritt and chris cornell just to name some of them in addition rich is a motivational speaker with his crash course for success commitment relationships attitude skill and hunger you're gonna want to check this guy out he's got a lot going on and we can all learn quite a bit in his very versatile and storied career right here on the career musician podcast with yours truly nomad so okay rich Redman. first of all welcome to the career musician podcast Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm a huge fan, both of your playing and of your personality and the message that you deliver in your clinics and, and speaking
1: engagements. Well, thank you so much, man. I mean, likewise, I, I think, you know, we met years ago. We put it all together that we met across the street from the Guitar Center on Sunset. It's It was like a little, just, it was like a Gibson showroom or something. I forget what it was, but you were playing and I popped by and I was playing with somebody and I had a cajon, and we, we met, it was really fast, but yeah.
2: Man. And and it's funny how fast time flies because that seems like eons ago, doesn't it?
1: I think it was like a good six or seven years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Not crazy.
2: I don't know. I know. I know. Jeez. So anyway, yeah, here we are. Okay. So the first thing, like I said, that, uh, stood out to me is that, and I, well, I said this in in private when, when we were talking, but not only are you a career musician, but you have the understanding the capacity the depth the breadth if you will to really treat it as a business and that's what i noticed from watching some of your clinics and like i said your lectures and whatnot and that, oh, now that's that's super powerful because what the our mission here at the career musician is to empower musicians with strategies for a sustainable career sure you know that's like sure it sounds like a a big statement but it's not it's basically teaching musicians how to make a living over the long haul right
1: right right yeah that's that's the trick i mean that's the trick it's like staying relevant staying viable you know moving forward with you know constantly developing the skill set you need to function you know 90 percent of the time where you are but at the same time you know Trying to keep up with the Joneses, in the sense that we're going to have to learn other skill sets because the world is moving so fast, you know.
2: Right, right. Good point. So, okay. So, first thing I typically ask uh, my guests is, you know, how did you get bit by the music bug? You know, what were you inf- your influences, and where did you come up, and all that good stuff.
1: Sure. Yeah. I mean, you you hear this. of story all the time where it's like the drums chose me you know and and my you know my cousin had his drum set and i went over to it and i sat down and i immediately knew how to play that you know the the guitar center beat you know for me it was like um i was restless i was high energy banana bikes, skateboards tree houses star wars figures listening to kiss and i think secretly my dad wanted to be a drummer um but you know my dad had a different path he was in the military and then. I uh, had a family, went to school nights, became an accountant for 30 years. So he's like, this kid might, maybe I can live out my rock and roll fantasies through my son. So mm-hmm. 1977, 1978, you know, I go and I get my first um, drum lesson. So, you know, you get the Gladstone pad. I'm in Milford, Connecticut, you know, on this East coast kid that got my teacher, Jack Berge shows me how to hold the sticks. You know, you're hitting the pad and soon enough, you get bum, bum, right. You're learning that stuff. You're learning how to read it. Then I got a little bass drum, a little cymbal, and you're playing, you know, Joel Rothen books, little things like that, playing along with records. And um, I was really into it. I had a knack for it, but I was only eight, nine years old. And so when we ended up moving to El Paso, Texas in uh, 1981, my dad got a job there. So we, you know, moved 2000 miles away to El Paso, Texas. And thank God, because Texas, I don't know if you've, you know, spent some time in Texas, but the culture is very music education. A lot of football, a lot of gigantic marching bands. I mean, my high school had a 400-piece marching band. Texas Tech University had a 400-piece marching band. So it wasn't a big deal to like, all right, we're doing a John Williams themed, sh- We're doing Jaws. We're doing, we're doing all the things. And you would have five days to like, learn your parts, memorize everything, get on the field with 10 other snare drummers, wear this ridiculous outfit and make that thing happen. And, you know, week after week, you had to do that. And then when the police came out with uh, synchronicity in 1983 and the world is watching all the live aid and all the farm aid and MTV had this culture of actually showing music concerts, I was like, that's what I'm doing. I'm going to be Alex Van Halen. I'm going to be Stuart Copeland. I'm going to be Kenny Aronoff, you know, and that started my journey and I haven't stopped, you know.
2: That's incredible. I I just keep, you know, like smiling ear to ear here because I love all the names you're you're dropping. I I love all the influences. And uh, bro, for real, when you say four hundred piece marching band, you're you're you're
1: exaggerating a little bit, yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's a they were big marching bands, man. Like, and we would be up at the crack of dawn, you know, before the sun came up. You know, trying to match, you know, and that training was great because it gives you the chops. It gives you the fingers. It gives you, you know, I tell drummers like, look at, I know you should probably pick up the sticks every day. You know, I did that for years and years and years, but if I, if a month goes by and I take, I don't pick up a pair of sticks, I, I can still pick up those sticks and there's that muscle memory from those tens of thousands of hours of having the sticks in my hands in the formative years, you know, in the formative years when you're, when it's so important to have those time in the trenches, you know.
2: That's a great reference, by the way. I love the 10,000 hour, the Malcolm Gladwell outliers reference. Uh, yeah. I, I've had this conversation with many people in our field and and as musicians at our, at this level where we've attained you know, this amount yeah. of, uh, you know, whatever you want to call it, success or whatnot. We've put in way more than 10,000 hours. 10,000, it's
1: a piece of cake.
2: Yeah. Come that, on. That was, you know, the high school years, right? You know? It's, right.
1: Yeah. So. I mean, I practiced before school, during class, at lunch. I brown bagged it. I practiced after school. I did all the yeah. all city, you know, marching band, all city concert band, all city jazz band. Then you go to all state, and then you do the solo and ensemble stuff. And I always had bands outside of school. So Texas was great. I mean, it really was great because of that music education culture, you know, where you you get the hours, everyone's very serious about it. And um, you know, it sets you up for success, you know.
2: That's right. Well
1: I'm reminded of North Texas State, right? Which is a huge Yeah, I got my masters there. I ended up getting my masters there studying with Ed so Ron Ronnie Ron Ronnie Fink, Dr. shatroma um just Henry Oxtell, all these world-class educators, you know, that, and it was a very jazz-centric school, which is great because, you know, if you can, you know, kick a, a 17-piece big band and the trumpets are blowing their brains out and they're dragging and then the, the piano player's on top and you're trying to, like, lead and drive the band and play dynamics and play the styles and read all these figures, it's going to be so much easier to play in a three-piece rock band or a wedding band. Or, uh, you know, it's going to be so much easier because you're you're doing the spang right? And it's like, it's so much easier to play like super, like, like listen to me time with rock, funk, and country because boom, that's the thing from the ground up, right? And then you get whack where everybody's supposed to be clapping on two and four. But with jazz, it's more like, you know, you're trying to get that symbol to to like sing like a violin section, right? And the only thing you do is like chomp away on two and four. So it's real. It was a great thing. I think that every kid out there, if they can join a community jazz band or learn some of the jazz standards, even if they're not going to go become a jazz musician, it's such a cool thing to have in your back pocket because the drum set is a result of this American art form. We would not have the drum set unless there was. Three guys that were like playing, you know, the silent movies around the t- prohibition area era where it's like, here's a bass drum. The guy played the bass drum, a guy played the cymbals, and a guy played the snare drum. And then two of the guys are sick one day. And this one guy's like, okay, I, I got to put, put a pedal up to these things. And, and it became the mother of invention. That's why we have the drum set, you know? So Is that, in in fact, the impetus behind the drum kit itself? Yeah. I mean, because we were, it was, nothing had ever happened like that. You had the bass drum from the the European symphonies. You had the snare drum from the marching band. You had the the traps, you know, like the Chinese tom-toms from China. And then you had the cymbals from Turkey. I mean, the drum set is like very cosmopolitan a global instrument it really is you know i've always wondered that that's
2: so cool that's worth a deep dive and discovery it's sure
1: i mean well, yeah you get maybe have daniel glass on your show one time because he's kind of like a drum historian he loves that stuff you know
2: right. that's super cool but no that's great knowledge man okay so typically this is perfect because uh you're, you're already reading my mind of the flow uh, i always ask how did you cut your teeth and you know what were your first gigs and whatnot but just by you exp- explaining your schooling uh, this question I want to ask actually is, do you think, a, you know, a, accomplishing getting your master's degree has propelled your career even further than if you didn't, or in other words, what are the pros and cons there that you've experienced? Because this is great to get it from somebody, you know, maybe there's some young people out there contemplating now, should I get my bachelor's? Should I just go for the master's all the way? I already got my, you know what I mean? So yeah. some good insight.
1: Well, I don't think I don't think education is I mean, I'm a big believer in self-improvement, continuing education, personal development, investing in yourself. I mean, if you're going to invest in anything, forget about Apple, forget about Bitcoin, invest in yourself. Yeah. Right. Because that's, you know, in the music business, you are the product, right? Your skill set. So I don't necessarily know. I mean, I know very, very successful people that live um in the hippest areas of New York and LA, or they live on castles overlooking oceans and they didn't finish high school. They just had successful careers in the music business. But I feel like that's the exception to the rule. The rule is like how much knowledge and skill set can you cram in into your DNA so you can create and accept opportunities that are given to you by, from the universe. So like I tell kids, Hey, in 1999 in Nashville, I was hustling 20 bucks here, 50 bucks there, 75 bucks there, 300 bucks there, working day jobs, trying to put it all together. I was in 27 different bands. The only way I could be in those 27 different bands is because I knew how to read music and all the bands would be like, Redmond doesn't need to rehearse. like We rehearsed two weeks ago. It's the same set. He's got charts, he's got BPMs, and they would have the confidence that like I could be a character actor and be almost like a character actor and be like, whatever i needed to be in that particular musical situation and then people would come by and see me do those things and that's the best advertising for your product which is for people to see you play music and then to cultivate relationships so did it make a difference that i had a piece of paper and i went to school for 7 years and and then i did all these uh you know uh recitals i don't know they because people just want to know dude does it feel good can you take direction are you a nice person are you well dressed does your instrument sound like but um it's also helped me educationally where it's like teaching it online at musicians institute they love that i have a master's some you know i taught a uh, drum set at the university of north alabama right kind of by muscle shoals area and they were like must have a master's degree so you know little things here and there it kind of helped but more than anything what i paid for um was the the ability to offset reality for seven years while i got tens of thousands of more hours of experience playing avant-garde music and bebop and big band and symphonic music and learning how to play all the percussion instruments and you put that all in your bag of tricks and it is going to separate you from the other guys who are like, yeah, man, I just grew up in my garage. I, you know, I know about five rock beats, but those guys can hook up with the next big thing and be on the cover of Rolling Stone magazine. There's really, there's so many ways to skin a cat in the music industry. You know,
2: it's like, you know, Liberty DeVito comes to mind when you say that, you know?
1: Oh yeah. It's all heart. He's all passion. And and a lot of these guys are completely self-taught. Who's another self-taught drummer. I was, talking to the other day. Oh, Chad Cromwell, one of the most recorded drummers in history works in Nashville, works in Los Angeles, Neil Young, like uh, just huge acts. And he's like, man, I just played along to records. I mean, and that's uh, invaluable. You know um, I played along to records, but I was also the nerdy guy because I was coming up in the eighties. So in the eighties we had like a mix of like new wave. So like Kajagoogoo and aha, which is like all this British, simmons program stuff and at the same time we had ronnie james dio and a bunch of guys with like cod pieces and like lots of hairspray right all at the same time right and i was and i was like i transcribed the shout at the devil record you know every lick that tommy lee i wrote out you know and i was like and i was like oh he got that from like a funk R&B drummer, right? But he just happens to be twirling his sticks while he's doing it. There's fire and naked chicks behind him. But (laughs) you see the commonalities between different kinds of music, and different styles of music, you know? And so, I don't even know. I'm talking out the side of my mouth. I don't know. No, no.
3: Hey, Pantheon listeners, Christian Swain here. You caught me just finishing up some editing on Getting Real with John and Beth. I want to share my first experience with Factor Meals for you. I think you'll find this interesting because I bet the same thing happens to you. 50 to get 50% off. That's factormeals.com slash Pantheon 50 and use the code Pantheon50 to get 50% off
2: it's perfect because I truly believe you have uh, accomplished the best of all worlds let's say not both all because I I, I'm from a similar uh mindset I did not complete college however I started college I didn't complete it because I got gigs and I just yeah I started gigging but I always now I always say to myself and oftentimes to my wife while we're chilling with a glass of wine man I wonder what it would be like if I would have finished college you know if I would have got that degree you know or maybe
1: maybe I should go back now. Now, my (laughs) (laughs) now, because I mean, like today, like there's so like people are like, how did you learn Pro Tools? Like, yeah, well, you just you buy it and there's all this free stuff on the internet, right? So it's like, and that's free, and you're not going to be paying college loans forever. So the kids that go to say like to a Berkeley College of Music and they graduate with a 300000 dollars bill and they have student loans to pay, and they're playing for $50 at the pizzeria in Boston. That math doesn't make sense. But, you know, at the same time, I don't know if you notice this, but most guys like the Todd Zuckermans, the Vinnies, the uh, Abe Laborials, they go to Berkeley for one semester or one year and they start getting gigs and they start making money they and out. they're gone. Yeah. Right. So that's the story. You know? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah, that's it. It's perfect. It's perfect. Well, thank you for that insight. Now, let's talk about this. So you say the seven years while you were schooling, you were kind of, you know, uh, uh, deferring the a reality life, right? Okay, yeah, yeah, you're, you're broadening your palate, you learn all this shit. Okay, so how do you get from, okay, I graduated with my master's to Okay, now I have my first proper gig in the industry. I got I'm booking some real sessions, I'm booking some tours, some gigs because you've been with Jason Aldean is something I want to talk about as well. Uh, for yeah. a long time and your list of credits is beautiful. You have some of the biggest of the biggest. Uh, so how did you, again, for those listening, saying,
1: "Okay, great. Well, I did my schooling. Now how do I get some damn gigs, man?" you know. So. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of music institutions need to, um, even if they're just cranking out like kids with music education degrees. And I, what I did is I followed what I call like the Greg Bissonette model, which is like you know Bissonette went to the University of North Texas. He knew he wanted to be a badass and really cultivate his playing because he wanted to move to Los Angeles. And he and and it, he put the time in, but at the same time he jumped through the hoops to get a music education degree. And and that's what's that's that's a safe degree because he and while you're cultivating your rock and roll dreams or chasing your session career you can teach in the public schools you could be a band director you can have benefits you can have a 401k right. so that was as close as i got to a backup plan which was like let's get a music education degree and then just try to be a badass on the instrument and maybe i can fall back on that if i ever needed to so um so while i was in dallas and getting my masters i would be driving in from denton which is like 30 miles away about 45 minutes away and we would all drive in and play smooth jazz and big band and we had we had cool uh you know original bands that we'd play in deep Ellum. and i was in all the cool top 40 bands where we'd play along with sequencers which has really helped my time and my programming and i was in school with guys like keith carlock and adam gust and luke adams and blair Cinta. these are all my homies you know and you know and we're all still friends to this day like if i have to knock out a track while i'm in la i do it over blair's house and blair engineers it's we have this amazing workflow he's like come on in dude i got the black beauty set up you know bring your symbols and we he, he pulls up the files i play it's so fun you know i bring him a coffee so all these people were you know we're all still in touch together but that was a great thing because I but I saw the ceiling on a city like Dallas. There's a robust music scene there, um, but there's a glass ceiling. You know, I feel like you have to go to New York or LA or Nashville to really take your career to the next level. So, as attracted as, as I always was to the city of Los Angeles, the sunshine, the forward thinking, the food culture, the whole like the excitement of it all, I ended up getting some calls to do some auditions in nashville so i go and i over prepare and i audition for barbara mandrell and dina carter and trisha yearwood all these great songbirds living in dallas at the time and they all said to me kid you sound great but you know where do you live i'm like well i'm in dallas texas and i probably just should have said i live in nashville and just like figured it out but that kind of i shot myself in the foot but after three times of like preparing meeting people getting positive feedback on me being a song drummer, bringing songs to life, I said, I'll give my band two weeks' notice, and I moved to Nashville because, you know, Dina Carter was coming out in uh, 1997, and it was kind of like California country, kind of like early Linda Ronstadt, Burrito Brothers, with like a like a tinge. Of, I said, I can do this. So anyways, I moved to Nashville, and that's like, you know, 24 years ago. I you love it.
2: I love yeah. it. Man. And that's that's why I'm surprised we didn't meet in Nashville. I lived there from ninety-seven through two
1: thousand five. So you, you remember Tony Mora? Tony, Tony, that was one of my good buddies, yeah. Okay, so I just recorded over at Tony's house the other day with him engineering. Nice. Um so it's just a really small world. Um okay, and Tony go. was very forward thinking because yes. he's a trained engineer, trained in Manhattan. Um his drum sounds are sick. Yeah. And what's, it's amazing to go over there and to have the drum brotherhood. But at the same time, he's a world class engineer wow. and he's behind the glass. You know, it's unbelievable. So, so fun. And people are so friendly. It's such a great culture of Nashville.
2: It is. It is.
1: But I get to Los Angeles all the time. You know, my drums are all carded up over at Angel City just in case that call comes to go record at Capitol Records. Okay. And I got a little practice room over in the valley. And, and I love it. I really do, man. so so fun
2: that's the way to do it okay so uh let's talk about that how did you balance how do you balance nashville and la that's a good point again for some you know maybe young aspiring cats coming up they're like man i want to do that that sounds cool
1: yeah well for me you know i guess it's always good to get some credits under your belt so when you're in the elevator or you got 10 seconds to pitch yourself like who are you what do you do kid And you're, you know, it's, it's so at this point, it's so hard to wrap up with what I do because I do so many different things. I'm like, I'm an entertainer, you know, I'm a drummer or, you know, I'll give people that and they'll, but if they're a musician, you know, it's so great to be able to say, you know, I'm Jason Aldean's drummer. I've been there 20 years and they go, oh, okay. And so it's like, a, it just, it's like, um, it just breaks the ice and people go, oh, okay. Well, if you, if you have the ability to plan some number one songs and you could probably come do my, you know, you know, wedding gig at, at the golf course in, in Reseda or whatever. You know, it's like, it just, it gives them a little bit more confidence to say, you'll be okay. Come on. Just, you got a tux, yeah, you know, you gotta, no,
2: I'll rent one. Don't worry. I got it. Of course I got a tux. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you know, crazy things like landing, you know, you land and you get the last minute call and it's like, hey, can you play tonight at Trump golf course? It's a big wedding. You can you make it? And it was like you're looking at the time, you're like, oh my God, I didn't pack, I didn't pack my dress shirt. Uh it's a, and then on the way you pull over to TJ Maxx and you you get a black dress shirt and a tie, and you you barely make it and you load in and and you and you're like, I'm starving. And like, well, they're 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 hooking us up with steaks tonight. You're like, all right, see, you had me at steak. I don't even need to make money. I'm playing drums and eating a steak. This is great.
2: I love that. I love that. Okay. This is all fantastic stuff. So let's talk about that now. Jason Aldean, something I I love that you mentioned that because it really does become a calling card, especially in the music community. I was with Baby V for 12 years and and anytime you you, you drop the name and you don't drop it to be a jerk. You're just talking about, yeah, hey, you know, so what do you do? That's your elevator pitch, right? And it really does open up the conversation and and just open up opportunities. Um, Sure something that I always like talking about is not only how to get the gig, but how to keep a gig. You know, Mm. a lot of people struggle with that. And I feel like there's definitely a fine line between having your artistic expression and your freedom, right? Your creative freedom versus understanding that this is a job and you have to treat it as such, you know, shed some light uh, on how you
1: kept that gig for 20 years. Sure. Sure. Well, Let's say it's not even that gig. Let's just say you know uh, you know you're a weekend warrior and you got to meet the bus up at the Ralphs and you're loading in. Uh, you you meet the bus on a Thursday and you're going to play two casinos in Middle America some like somewhere on Friday and Saturday, right? So you you know I I don't try not to complicate it. It's like drums sound good and working condition great. You're prepared. You're over prepared. You can take direction. You get a firm handshake. You look at people in the whites of their eyes. You give people respect. Um, You're flexible. Uh, You know, you're a fun person. You're a fun hang because, you know, the drumming, the musicianship is an expectation, but it's it's that hang and the ability to take the direction and being easygoing. And then the road, there's always going to be schedule changes. And it's like you get to your dressing room and it's like, you know, what? You call this bottle water, Deer Park? This isn't Fiji water. Where's my Fiji? You know, you can't be like that. You just got to roll with the punches and, real, and just come from a place of gratitude and humility, right? Realize that there's somebody out there digging ditches or emptying porta potties, right? And they hate life. And you're like going to play your instrument in front of a, a voracious crowd with like-minded people eat three square meals a day and like break a, maybe break a little sweat and make some money playing your, like working your craft. I mean, that's a dream come true. Mm -hmm. So the Aldean thing is really special and interesting because all my best friends and, you know, we've been around the world together. We finished each other's sentences. We all came up together. So, you know, that's a 22 year relationship, you know, where I meet a young Jason Aldean in 1999 All the same guys are in his rhythm section. We do endless showcases with the hat, without the hat, with a steel guitar, without the steel guitar. Like just every version of a showcase for all the suits, you know, and the cigar guys come out. I don't get it. I don't see it. And then finally something clicks. He gets a record deal. He's got faith in us because we've already been playing with him for five years. We record on the record. The thing comes out. It starts to do well. It leads to the, you know. You're doing 300 show. You're on the road 300 days a year. Then some more hits come out. You're doing half basketball arenas, then full basketball arenas. Then you're selling out sheds. You're opening for everybody in the business. Then he starts to headline, and it just rolls and rolls and rolls. And everybody's like, it's a love fest. I mean, we finish each other's sentences, and there's no way to create a band like that that has that deep listening skills and this like unspoken languages deep communication without the blood without the sweat without the tears without the time in the trenches not without smelling like diesel fuel you got to go out there and just do that and that's pretty rarefied air in the music business to have the same people for five presidencies (laughs) because there's very little loyalty in the music business it's very much every man for himself and i kind of thought that it was pretty special for us to all kind of like come up together and like champion each other. So it's very special. Hey everyone, Rich Redman here. I'm the drummer of the Jason Aldean Band, Nashville Sessions, and I'm a career musician. Subscribe to the brand new Career Musician YouTube channel. Now streaming all of the Career Musician podcast episodes.
2: Help us continue to provide you with new and engaging content
0: by getting our ratings up. Please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts.
3: Hey Pantheon listeners, Christian Swain again with something every podcast listener and music junkie needs to hear. As I'm sure you can guess, I listen to a lot of podcasts.
2: So that's what I'm getting at precisely. First of all, I love how you put it five presidencies. That's a great <laughs> that's a great in, encapsulation. Uh but, <laughs> but yes, you said it, man. You said it. There there typically is no loyalty in the music business. And it yeah. is every person for themselves and it's like, you know, uh uh fight or flight, crabs in a bucket. However you want to describe it, it's all the above. And one of the things that I get um <laughs> I'll just—I I get tired of seeing, you know, musicians stepping on other musicians to try to get yeah. at it, and I think it's—I—I I, I call bullshit. You know what I mean? Uh, it's it's yeah. not necessary. There's no reason for it, and this leads me to the next thing uh, that you're doing. I really dig your motivational speaking aspect, and I love your crash course, and I want to hear more about that. But the fact that I just called out the loyalty issue. That, that's it. And, you know, we need to create a better culture amongst professional musicians. Wouldn't you agree?
1: Yeah, I mean, sure. And you're doing a great thing. I mean, this podcast is really going to help a lot of people. I mean, I've a lot of the stuff, you know, Dave Koz. You know, I met Dave Koz backstage one time at the ACM Awards. And I was like, dude, I'm a big, big fan, man. Oh, I got a lot of your records. He's like, oh, it's awesome. You know, I said, I'm spending time in Los Angeles. She's like, oh, LA would love you, man. Come on, just such a nice guy. You know what I mean? And it's like, that always... Um, I learned that in this music business, where the people that are, you know, your Bob Seegers and your Brian Adams's and your ludicrous, these people that I've had an opportunity to work with as a result of my relationship with Jason and his band and his team, they're just such great people. The people that are successful and they maintain success in, in this business are, are nice people. Like Bob Seger knew all of our names. I mean, he came in a legend, you know, I mean, like a rock. I mean, the guy comes in, he knows my name, right? Hey, what's up, Rich? Amazing. And that makes, that creates this feeling of like a, like a team. And we did a television show together and it was just love fest. Um, but you're right. I, I think I say that you have to keep it to keep it. You have to give it away. So if I want to maintain my success for the rest of my life, I can't take the information and the wisdom that I picked up along the way and guard it like my precious in a cave with my little ring, like stay away from me. I'm not going to share. No, it's like, I got to let everybody that asks me anything know that, Hey man, this ain't rocket science. Just show up, be over prepared, have a smile on your face, take direction, be pleasant to be around that that's going to get around fast, you know, people. And so I like to share that information, whether it's through the books or my teaching or mag, however, I can help a future generation of musicians because man I remember the day of, of like having my little demo tape with me playing like motown and fusion and jingles and big bands like me drummer looking for work and I would send this stuff out to like the Bisons and the Ray Brinkers and whoever I could find a mailing address for and just being like god it wouldn't be great if some one of these guys championed me and got me a gig or something but it's like that's That's also not really the way, I mean, Steve Houghton got my demo tape and he's like, man, if I had known you played big band this well, I would have recommended you for Maynard's band, right? But everything happens for a reason. I didn't get to go out with Maynard. And maybe that's a good thing because like, like traditionally it's like, it didn't pay any money. It it was like, it was going to be hard to like live on that. Right. And then I got called for the Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus two times. And I was like, wow, on the road, 52 weeks a year um, 401k paid vacation, dental, medical, but you travel on a train. It's like, that was the weirdest thing. And, you know, so I never did it because I was getting my master's and it was like, I like finishing what I start. So I was like, you know, I'm just going to jump through these hoops, get this master's degree. Nobody can take it away from me. And then when I finish, you know, I'll move to New York, LA or Nashville. And, and that's what I did.
2: Brilliant. Brilliant. I love it. Give, uh, give it away to receive it, right? You have to, you yeah. have to give to get. I, I love that premise. Okay. Crash course for success. Uh, tell us about it. Tell, tell people how they can you know get involved. And uh, of course, Rich's website is richredmond.com. Really easy, and once yeah. you get, once you get to the home page, you, you're just like, "Whoa, this is cool!" So you're going to want to explore everything. But there's us-
1: fire, there's fire and explosions on the home page, which you know. <laughs> that's I, I insisted on that. But no, <laughs> but us the us. thing about Crash, it's not overly original. You know, I'm being self-deprecating, but the idea is that it's a, it's an acronym, and I, I think people, you know, like acronyms because it makes things easy to remember. Crash stands for commitment, relationships, attitude skill and hunger. So these are literally five things that anyone from any walk of life in any season of their life can use to be more successful. So obviously, com- you know, musicians know about commitment, um the commitment to your learning your instrument and putting in those 10,000 hours and then going out there and trying to connect with people and play jobs in, you know, like that's where you learn so much on the bandstand, you know. So that deep commitment to your craft is lifelong. Relationships you know, everything in the music business is relationships. It's not monster.com. It's not headhunters. It's not resumes. It's good to have resumes. It's good to have a business card. It's good to have a website. It's good to be on social media, but it really is in person, real true to form relationships where people can champion each other. And I champion a lot of people. I've put together so many bands over the years in Nashville, a singer songwriter will call me up, Hey, I need, you know, a band. This is what it's paying. This is where we're going. I go, is it a van? Is it a bus? Are they sharing rooms? What's the food situation like, you know, and then I find them the right person. And I, and it's a pleasure to do that because uh, it's putting positive energy out into the universe. And then attitude, you know, enthusiasm is, con- is contagious. And that 99% of life is a positive attitude, positive, positive people, they live longer, they're happier, they have better relationships, they, they make more money. So um, I think that's very, very important. And then skill, you know, identifying um, mastering the skills you need to be successful in whatever your chosen field is, and but also not getting cocky, learning new skills, right? And then hunger is that piece where it's like having that hunger to be successful that burns in your belly, right and staying tapped into that thing. People when they see me play, they say like I could just tell you love what you do. I'm like, yeah, wear my heart on my sleeve. I there's no difference between this guy, and the 16-year-old guy that had that first set of, of cherry red Yamaha drums. And I'd come home every day, and I was fantasize about playing Madison Square Garden. And I got to play Madison Square Garden, but not at 21. I got to do it at 41. And that was like 20 years of doors being slammed in my face. So when I looked back at my career, I was like, what are some basic tenets that helped get me from point A to point B? It's a deep commitment, putting an emphasis on people having a positive attitude, living in the land of unicorns and rainbows, trying to wake up on the right side of the bed. If I don't wake up on the right side of the bed, and I'm having a bad day. I know how to flip the channel. Great literature, colorful food, friends, film, fashion. I can have a, a, some retail therapy. I can sit at the bar with my like philosopher friend, Mark Shulman, and have a glass of California red and just reset everything and then the skills like developing those skills and then staying hungry for success that's crash i've shared it with people at the small little sam ash up the street or the mom and pop drum shop or the kids in the um the uh cafetorium you know k through 12 the whole school comes out i got to work both sides of the room like a like a rant comic mm-hmm. or maybe it's like a, a fortune 500 company like cisco or Hewlett packard and you i customize that messaging to the audience at hand so in 60 minutes they're blown away with a wave of positive energy and then at the same time I'm giving them like a one man rock show where it's like dry ice lights band in a box crazy guy twirling his stick licking his stick sweating on them they're like dude this guy is is a physical manifestation of his message right so it's almost like I'm a cartoon character invading their their space and it's it's not for everyone, you know, I mean, I've been turned down by some very traditional companies, but some forward thinking companies, whether they're, it's farmers or big pharma or a startup, and they're brave, and they're like, drums, that's cool, man. And then some people are like, drums, Ooh, it scares them. They're like, what do I have to do? How do I get a drum set? And I'm like, don't worry about it. All you got to do is, is say yes. I'll book my flight, I'll book my hotel, I'll get a drum set, I'll talk to the sound man, I'll talk to your A V guy about my walk-on video. Like all you gotta do is hire. You know, you that's what you want to do in this business is keep everything as easy as possible and give people the most confidence that are hiring you. Tomorrow, 10 a.m. session, program drums, right? All the musicians are already on the track and are probably all gridded to death. And I gotta go in there. Tonight, I got to transcribe the program part, recreate it with, but with some heart and some humanity and some sweat and bring that programming to life. The people that are hiring me know that I'm going to show up. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be prepared and I'm going to do my best to exceed expectations and make them look good. You know?
2: That's it, man. I always say be the great facilitator. Yeah. You can facilitate it for people and make it easy. That's and that's what I truly believe. That's the longevity. I know when I would get on stage for sound check, and uh, and Babyface would walk down from his hotel room or, or the bus or wherever he was. It was my job to get there early, and make sure that when he stepped foot on stage, that he felt comfortable, that he felt safe that he didn't sure. have to worry. So I was myself and the production manager and the tour manager, the three managerial positions, so to speak, we would get together and make sure that we just facilitated every single thought, action, you know, whim that, that the artist could ever desire. And that's how you keep the gig, man. You get it done. No, no excuses. Yeah. Right. Zero excuses.
1: You know. Yeah. And then over preparation. So like, you know, being, overly prepared on your part. And then also being a boy scout or a girl scout in the sense that having, you know, knowing your craft and coming up with some rules of the road, like yeah. have that second snare drum that's tuned exactly the same as the other one. Have a, another set of pedals that are the same exact tension being flanked by all the sticks you need. You got your towel, your water, your Gatorade, you got the fan that's blowing on you a little, so you don't get upset stomach in the middle of the show. And you're like, ah, oh, can you tell him a joke, Mr. Babyface? Mm-hmm. And run, you know, you're just prepared. And then, you know, other things that I learned were like, uh, never pass up a hot shower, never pass up a hot meal, always have your luggage with you, you know, because sometimes just things come up and you're like, hey, we're like, we're we're out tonight. We're Elvis out, man. And you're like, and you don't want to be the one guy in the band. It's like, oh, I forgot my bag at the Luxor. I got to go back to the Luxor. No, you got to have your stuff with you and, uh-huh. and just make it so easy for everybody. So you're never the squeaky wheel, you know?
2: I love that so with your uh, varied uh, career and your and your wonderful accolades and all the different things that you work in explain a day in the life of Rich Redmond because you know again you go, <laughs> I love it it's you know it's a drummer actor author speaker I love that I, I love how uh, diversified you are because I truly believe you have to have you have to be versatile right so yeah. I know every day is different you know
0: Got your happy price, price line.
1: Yeah. So, so I just like go with, you know, my schedule is like Tetris. It's all like multicolored on the iCal. And it's like, you know, some days I'm like, hey, you know, I've got my podcast and I've got like 20, you know, episodes in the queue and I'm just kind of dripping them out two a week. So maybe I'll, so when I have time, I'll go hog wild on that. And I'll record three a day or four a day. And then when I'm I'm between my tour dates, I might be like just doubling down on my, my acting and my hosting classes where I'm just like, I got my head and I'm trying to like wrap my head around this other skill set. And, you know, the acting and the hosting and the VO and all that kind of, that helps my confidence as a, as a musician and as an educator and as a speaker. Um, or, you know, maybe I'm in the back of the tour And I'm like, I'm going to crank out a couple of these things that have been on my mind for Modern Drummer Magazine or this during COVID, I created two online courses for the Musicians Institute. So, you know, we've got these days that are, that are long, especially if you start start thinking of your life as in terms of like, not days and years, but like minutes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you'll be like sand through the hourglass. You're like, I, I really need to get on this and make the most of my time. Because if you take someone like, say, like, a you know, a hero of mine, just because he has this insane work ethic, and he's still so relevant, take like a Kenny Aronoff, he doesn't put in a 10 hour day, puts in an 18 hour day, right? Maybe not every day, but, and then in his like formative years, where he was just so on fire, where he was, he would be on tour with two different artists. And in between the tour dates, in the cracks of like, 24 to 72 hours, he would catch red eyes and go plan other people's records. Now that's never going to happen again in the music business. Those days will never come. But just like looking at our skill sets, looking at our interests and just maximizing our, our, you know, our time on earth and whatever is staring right in front of me, the things that have to be done those days, that's what, get, that's what gets priorities. And then I have that to-do list, which is like, Oh God. Like right now I moved back into my home in suburban Nashville. So I've had it for 11 years. And so remodel it's time for like three coats of white paint, (laughs) putting in that slick gray carpet that all the hotels are all about. I got to pick new curtains. Like this is very, this is where I'm spending some of my time, but you know, also I got to, I've got these other obligations. Got to keep cranking out the podcast. Got to go do these sessions for people. You know, um, got rehearsals and this tour coming up with Aldine where we're doing every Thursday, Friday, Saturday in August, September, and October. And man, after 14 months of having time off, I am so excited to see my band, hug my band, play, take the music to the people. And after the zombie apocalypse, like I never took anything for granted, but I am really never gonna take what's in catering and right. like the runner taking me to the gym and and just hanging out backstage and yep. man, I am never gonna ever take that for granted it's It so is true. so
2: cool so so many blessings are right under our fingers every day that we yeah times just gloss over. we don't even realize it you're absolutely right thats that's fantastic. All right. Listen, you you've shared some amazing stuff. Uh, by the way, the Rich Redman Show is your podcast, and that's yep. that's live and up and running, and people can find it on all the podcast platforms.
1: Yeah. What is it? The uh, you know your Spotify's and your YouTube's and your of course Apple Podcasts and. Uh, Great. It's like most things. I've got a lot of ravenous people that are there. It's not Mark Marin numbers because I'm 15 years late to the party. Yeah. But the idea is that we're going to talk about all things music, motivation, and success. And I love drummers. There's a lot of drummers, but. Also, I get some comedians and actors and producers and, you know, folks in there. So we just talk about great things and have a great time. So,
2: yeah. Well, I- I'm inviting myself. So uh. Yes.
1: <laughs> yeah, we got to do a thing, man. Let's
2: do it. Let's do it. Uh, okay. Great. So uh, how do you define success? After all this, you know, lay some, you, you've laid tons of wisdom and knowledge on, on all the listeners and, and you know, mm. myself included. Thank you. I love I love this. What's your definition of success? Because I know it's a
1: little, it varies, you know, person to person. Yeah, yeah. It uh, changes for me. But, I mean, but, you know, what I heard one time someone said, hey, he was an actor, like a, like a working stiff actor, but like for 30 years. You wouldn't recognize him in a um, CVS, but always in something. Said, man, success to me is when there's something wrong with my car, I can get it fixed. Mm-hmm. And I, it, uh, I'm not stressed out. You know what I mean? Because when you're in the struggling days, the ramen noodle days, your car breaks down, the check engine light comes on. You're like, what the, oh man, now I got to drive around Los Angeles, but no air conditioning. Um, but I think really a good general rule for success is getting up every day with a smile on your face, looking forward to this thing that you do that makes a difference in your lives and makes other people happy. And you do it and you love it so much that it never feels like work. I forget to get paid sometimes. Like, you know what I mean? I'm walking out the door. Great job, guys. It was a great 12-hour day. I'm I'm so happy to be. Hey, bro, there's the check. And I'm like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like, that's a good sign that you're spending your life um, the correct way. And my, you know, my, my goal in life, my purpose in life is to affect people in a positive way and change lives. And I know for sure that whether you're playing cumbias or smooth jazz you're playing on a cruise ship you're playing on a wedding you're playing on the big stages of the world music is so important to people mm-hmm. and it's an honor to have this profession because it, it does really change people's lives and makes them very happy
2: well perfectly said well said my friend all right before we wrap it up you ready for some rapid fire questions god i i hope i, I should
1: have taken my ginkgo balboa today but yeah okay you're Kinko Balboa, <laughs> You're Kinko Balboa, Adrian. <laughs> I love <that.
2: laughs> Baloba, but that's great. I never heard it fit like that.
1: Balboa, hey, Balboa,
2: hey, what's the matter you over here? Uh, all right, you ready? Here we go. Song or band or artist that changed your life? Uh, the Police, Synchronicity. Three tour essentials can't
1: leave home without them. Oh, you got to have your um, your your MacBook, your uh, earpods. And Emodium um, AD. <laughs> this is good. What? <laughs> that's enter- probably number one. <laughs> I like it.
2: What entertains you? As an enter- as, as an entertainer, we're always entertaining people. What entertains you? Oh, I love food, fashion, and film. Three Fs, man. Food, fashion, and film. Gosh, that's so easy. I love how yeah. you got all these answers just ready. Your friends would say you are a spaz. <laughs> Favorite city? Los Angeles yeah all right guilty pleasure food
1: um a burrito i'm always gonna go over the hill to go over to cactus on moore park always like coming next week and i will be there
2: i know it well it's not too far from me drink of choice libation oh um uh, vodka soda nice hidden talents
1: hidden talents um I think I have the potential to do three mo- three minutes of stand-up comedy, and I will do it eventually at some point.
2: I bet you you could do more than three minutes, and you could do it very successfully.
1: Well, yeah. I just want to go to Flappers in Burbank and pull off three minutes, man. Oh, dude, you'd crush it. You'd crush it.
2: <laughs> you better call me when you do that, because I want to be there. <laughs> yeah, okay. Instrument you wish you played.
1: Oh, the guitar, just because it's so fun and phallic and you're at the edge of the stage, you know, you're just right in the audience. Like, I can't move on my drums, man. I'm trapped back there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Also a saxophone, like Dave Cause, like yeah. I mean, just the way he can go table to table and serenade all the all the pretty people. I mean, what he's he's mobile. He's mobile. I like
2: it. That's awesome. You've had a lot of great collaborations, dream collaboration that you
1: would love to have a dream collaboration. Um, God, you know what my, uh, this is, I, I'm supposed to be faster, but I love Americana music. So like the Lucinda Williams is the Steve Earls and the, um, the Jason Isbells. I love the tortured singer songwriter. That's got the tales of love and loss and heartache set the three chords. So if I can ever play with those and those three people anytime, anytime.
2: Dunzo, love it. All right. And finally, I have some good ideas already, but what would you do if you weren't a career musician?
1: I'd probably be a career actor.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Talk about that because that is on your website. Yeah, man. It's been a fun, like five and a half year journey. Started taking acting lessons in Nashville, then started taking acting lessons in Los Angeles. Started to get a little resume together. Um uh, was in a couple of horror films, you know, just playing small parts, like the Casey Kasem type guy that was like the overcaffeinated DJ in a horror film. So my mom gets to see the credits roll on Netflix. And she goes, there you are, son, and you're not behind the drums. So that was fun. And then I got to, I got to spar with um, Chris Maloney from Law and Order, Law and Order SVU, you know, the tough guy, bald head. He was in a show called Happy on the Sci-Fi channel. And I, It was great. I got to do stunt work. I got to act with the guy, got my SAG card. And what makes me so proud of this accomplishment is that this was all somehow, like the early Kenny Aronoff days, in between all the touring, I pulled this off, like was a slave to two masters, made the commitment and got that far. You know, it's like, wow. Um, But I'm now like most actors, I'm looking for my next job. You know what I mean? And the pandemic did not help things. Like I did took a lot of classes in the pandemic, like online classes. Uh, but now it's now it's like, how is the how are the auditions or my relationships all going to line up so that I can actually do the next job and be available to do it? You know, like around the tours. So it's kind of like Tetris. But you just have to have faith in the in the universe and and the acting gods that uh, something will come along, you know.
2: You, you know it will. It certainly will. And that faith, unmovable faith, that's how we've gotten this far. Uh, you, you can't be a career musician without having that kind of faith. You know, it's just. It's, I'm thick skin. Thick skin. And it goes for anything in the entertainment business, you know, for that matter, being self-employed. Right. Well, Rich, you are uh, an, an amazing, you know, model to everybody. We appreciate your time and your thoughts and your wisdom and knowledge. Uh, yeah, man. Ladies and gentlemen, Rich Redman right here on The Career Musician. Thanks for having me.
0: What would you do to achieve the American dream? The big house, the happy family, the money? what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing?
1: What's the problem? What's the problem?
0: Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would
1: they shop? Would they shop?
0: Would you kill? Yes. I don't know. My mom is dead. My mom right there. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal, comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more, from assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists. Whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, the Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at IntoHistory.com.